Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Seared Boss Podcast. Maria and Evan here again today with another very special guest on our season three. Um, So without further ado, you can take it away, introduce yourselves or yourself, and we'll get started. Okay, thank you, Maria. Uh, Well, my name is Joe, Joseph Joe Graziosi. Uh, I've been involved with Greek dance since I was a very young person. I've been teaching Greek dance since the uh, early to mid 1980s, even earlier because I worked with some performing groups in the late 70s. Uh, I grew up in the uh, Boston area, Massachusetts, New England, and uh, I lived many places. I lived in New York City, as I was just mentioning, 17 years. I got very involved with dance in New York with the Greeks, a little, extremely involved. Uh, out in the Bay Area, San Francisco, five years, now back Massachusetts, 20 years. So, yes. Uh, what would you like to know, though? Well, we got we got lots of questions for you. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, uh, I would, I mean, we always like to start at the beginning. The first question is, why, why Greek dance? What, how did you get introduced to it and and what at what point in your life did it become more than just you know yeah well I mean I was always had some exposure to it you know um from a young age uh my mother loved to dance and she and her relatives or close friends they would uh my mother's greek i don't know if you knew that <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> so uh she would always and she would always drag my father along with her and they'd go to uh, social events with greek dancing and live music and stuff and uh uh and so i was exposed to greek music uh, at an early age uh, i liked it i loved it as a kid uh it was um and i was the only one of four siblings to like it <laughs> believe me <laughs> And I, you know, and I really like to move and dance and I wanted to dance. Uh, and uh, I remember specifically I had at some point some cousins over and we were down cellar, as we say in Massachusetts, down in the basement. Uh, and we put on some records and they showed me to do one or two dances. You know, in those days, the repertoire was quite limited. Uh, and uh, from there, you know, I went to my first Greek church sponsored, you know, dinner dance, you know, uh, and, you know, and then from there on in, it was, you know, picnics and dinner dances and older I got, it it was like the, there were a lot of restaurant clubs in the area where I grew up, you know, that on certain days of the week or weekends, it was live music. Uh, so that got me involved. Um, and, uh, where I grew up, there were a lot of music, a lot of, a lot of musicians and whatnot. And there's also, um, it was very common in those days. I'm talking about the decade of the 60s, you know, into the early 70s, uh, especially in where I grew up. Uh, Greek musicians played quite a bit with non-Greeks, especially with Armenians and, and, the, and the occasional Turkish musician and Arabic musician. So there's a lot of mixed repertoire in those days, uh, especially in the clubs and whatnot. Uh, so I, I got exposure to a wide range and uh, I had a great affinity, not just to Greek music, but to like Turkish music. Uh, <laughs> um, and that also reflects the background I came from. Uh, uh, my mother's family is from Turkey. They're from uh, my grandmother's from Constantinople. She lived with us. I mean, all my youth. And uh, 
my grandfather came from Eastern Thrace, Saran de Clichés, and uh, so uh, whatnot. And like I said, in the environment where I grew up, the uh, communities I grew up in, uh, we first used to go to the church in Watertown, Mass. And my mother came from a community, Somerville, Massachusetts. In uh, both those communities had a very large number of, of Mikrasiates, Asia Minor, and Mytilene, Mytilenean Greeks. So um, there was always a tendency toward the more Eastern sound, you know, the sort of, you know, so we drifted more toward Varialaika in those days, say, you know, the Zebekika and stuff of the 50s and 60s. Uh, the more heavy stuff is what they liked. And uh, so my ear got attuned to that. Um, uh, should I stop talking? Should I wait for the questions or? Well, you say whatever you want, but I, I definitely have questions <laughs> brewing in my head. So, okay. okay, well. Um, I know we, we talk about this a lot, how dance in America has kind of transformed and with, especially with the influence of FDF and HDF, dance groups have really dived into um, the the details of every village. I mean, right. You've been a huge part of that, bringing a lot of research and knowledge. Um, how did you? How did you get into that? Yeah, good question. Like I said, I I was always attracted to the music and dance as a young age. And the older I got, the more I realized there was more out there than meets the eye, more than what you heard on your annual Sunday Greek radio program. Uh, and also living in the Boston area, uh, you know, I, I found at a relatively young age that there were like, uh, we had a rather large Pontian community in, in Boston itself. Uh, and uh, one day on PBS, the local PBS station, you know, uh, they had a little program and they showed the local Pontian society dancing on TV live, you know, and I was like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, I knew that, uh, you know, there were also other, you know, we had a lot of Ipirotes in the Boston area, especially in the town of Worcester. And I knew the music was very different and I knew that Cretan was a little different. So I, I was kind of a, a bit of an exposure to more than what was met the usual, uh, you know, you know, dinner dance type music. Uh, and I, I just I don't know, I was attracted to so much, you know, uh, I remember the first time I heard Real Vimotica. Because, like I said, I grew up mostly with like the Laika or the Alaturka, you know, the old Café Amman uh, style, and the and I and I was very exotic to me, you know, hearing the clarinet sound and the old old heavy tzamika uh, and pirotica, and I think I was attracted to it. So I knew there was more out there. Um, uh, but like I said, I my first big exposure to regional village music was uh, mostly, I was in Greece as in a junior year abroad in 1975. And I saw and experienced a lot of different dancing from a lot of areas of Greece, mostly in Athens itself, where there was such a large immigrant in migration, in migrant community. Uh, and they were actually especially out in the suburbs, there were these taverners and clubs that were, that were frequented by people from either specific islands or specific regions of Greece, and they'd have their own local musicians, and it was quite a quite an eye-opener, so, yeah. Uh, the To get back to the actual question, original question, uh, there weren't that, okay, uh, some background. When I was growing up, there were hardly any performing groups. 
they were like zilch performing groups. Maybe a Greek church when it got close to March 25th, had the local Greek teacher teach stuff that she had learned from school herself, you know, so you, you taught this kind of already sort of semi-choreographed, not quite real repertoire uh, in those days. And, you know, the kids would trot out once a year and dance, and that was it. That was it, you know. In those days, the Greek festival, uh, church festivals were almost all participatory dance. There was hardly a performing group at all. I mean, really, whether it was a festival or picnics, picnics were hugely popular in, in the 50s and 60s, you know. Uh, that was it, you know. Um, so, um, like I said, so in Greece, I was really got strong exposure to regional folk dance. And I, I, one of the teachers I had was folklorist, a Greek-American guy named Ted Petridis who was a uh, New York born Greek American and was in, living in Greece since 1967 and doing a ton of research. One of the early people to get in a, a little jalopy and go around the villages in the Panayiria uh, filming and, and, and learning dances from people. Um, and uh, so I wrote a, uh, actually I wrote a paper, a research paper in, in that year. I, I uh, was found a community of uh, Cappadocians who lived in uh, Moscaton, uh, Perea, uh, and then up outside of Thessaloniki, the same group of people in a village called Plati. And I uh, interviewed some old timers and, and whatnot and, you know, saw them dancing and whatnot. So I wrote a little paper back then. <laughs> So when I came back to America, I wanted to kind of apply it. You know, I was like suddenly in an environment where no one knew any of this stuff at all. You know, it's like, uh, OK, what am I going to do? You know, uh, and I, I just happened to uh, meet up with a group of people who were dancing uh, with this woman named. Um, oh, my God, my brain. Uh, uh, Theoni, Theoni Mack. Uh, and she was from Rhodes and she had a PBS uh, cooking show, a Greek cooking show, Greek islands cooking. Uh, and uh, she even had a book out what, and she loved to dance and whatnot. And she uh, made a performing group. This is the mid to late seventies. And I joined them. And then I started showing some stuff that I learned in Greece with them, uh, which was a little difficult in those days because it was hard to find regional folk music. I mean, it was like almost impossible, you know, but we did what we could. And we did some performance in the Boston area. Uh, and uh, so uh and then I, I then I had my own little other kind of performing group. We called Medically this for a few years in the Boston area. And a bunch of friends, some Greek Americans, some non-Greeks. And we did like a bunch of regional dancing and uh, yeah, a few a, a few performances here and there. Uh, and then I was exposed in 1976. I found out this thing called international folk dancing, uh, which I had no idea existed. And you know I've which is all was in those days all over the United States and universities everywhere these clubs that people did folk dances from all over the world and I so I discovered that there was one uh, in MIT MIT folk dance club and on Tuesday nights they did quote-unquote Balkan dancing so I started going there uh, but I also early realized it was a fun place to be and hear the music but they were also the a lot of the dances actually I found later probably the majority of the dances they did, including some of the, a lot of the Greek ones, were basically choreographies, made up dances that these professional choreographers made. So, um, uh, but when I moved to New York, uh, when did I move to New York? Seventy nine, late end of seventy nine. 
And I, uh, for a short while, uh, after I moved there, in about two years after, I, I started working, uh, was asked to help with this nonprofit arts organization called the Ethnic Folk Arts Center, formerly the Balkan Arts Center, a nonprofit organization. They did a lot of work. They, um, they worked with immigrant groups and ethnic groups in the New York City area. They organized concerts, they organized dance uh, presentations, dance workshops, uh, and they had gotten a grant from the National Endowment for the Arts and the State Council of the Arts of New York State uh, to produce a, a tour in the Northeast of Greek and Greek American musicians of traditional music. And so I worked on that for a good year. Uh, we even produced a booklet and we had musicians uh, from the United States. We had Crete musicians. We had an amazing Pontian lyric player, an older man, Elias Kemenzidis, who was from uh, from Greece. Actually, he was actually born in Tashkent, uh, Soviet mm -hmm. Russia at that time. Wow. Uh, and then we had uh, the Epirotes from the Halkias family, Pericles Halkias. His son, Petro Lucas Alkias, other son, Achilles on violin, Lazarus, his brother-in-law on uh, Laoto, uh, amazing musicians. We had, we brought from Greece a Gaida player from Thrace, Theodoros Kekes, and Zurna players from Rumluki, uh, Macedonia, Zagoreas, uh, Patmos, and Panayotopoulos. Uh, and uh, we also, uh, and I had uh, recommended and brought down from Boston an old uh, Ud player, Uti player, who was from Hios with Asia Minor roots, uh, who sang and, and danced too. So we, we, we did this in the uh, early, late, uh, end of 82, beginning of 83. Uh, and through that, and we organized this weekend concert and dance workshop in, at Hunter College in Manhattan. And for whatever reason, the week before this event was the front page of the arts and leisure section of the New York Times. Dang, how cool. So the day of the concert, you know how Greeks are. No one makes reservations ahead of time in those days. <laughs> 3,000 people had to be turned away from the theater. Oh my goodness. 3,000. Wow. wow. Oh, my God. And uh, the weekend was high. It was a huge success. And we had Ted Petridis, my, the, my mentor from Greece, came to teach dance. Nick Savidis was doing some Pontian dance. Uh, Mary Chorus uh, was doing Cretan. Uh, Maria Vora, uh, who used to live lived in Greece for a long time. She uh, did a lot of work with this Society for the Dissemination of National Music. She didn't teach dance, but she showed films of village mm -hmm. dancing she took from the late 50s through wow. the 60s. Amazing, amazing stuff. Anyway, it was a great thing. I met a lot of people. I met a whole group of people from Florida, Florida, including John Lulius and the, the future Levin Yard dancers, the Levin Yard dancers. I met a whole people from the Astoria region, uh, including Paul Guinness at that time. And as a result of this, uh, Paul and I, you know, Paul wanted to start the Greek American Folklore Society about a year later. And I, you know, was part of it from the beginning and it was basically dance oriented. And uh, it was out of, we would meet twice a week in Astoria uh, for dance. And I did most of the teaching the first few years because I had this repertoire that I had, you know, had mm -hmm. wanted to share with people. Uh, and, and through that, and this is the other interesting thing, uh, I got to know the Astoria 
community in those days. And in those days, there was this place. It was called uh, Crystal Palace. It was a three floor, like wedding hall, banquet halls, three three stories worth. And you can go any, any weekend in the 80s. And every floor, there would be different music, different dance, because it'd be a wedding or the or the society people from Naxos or the Panthesalians or the Karpathi or the Pontians were having a dinner dance or something. And you just like go from floor to floor. And each group had its own musicians. I mean, they would play the Pontians at Pondiaca, the, you know, people from Naxos that brought musicians over or whatever. Uh, so... Through the Greek American Folklore Society and and the uh, people we knew, and through these events, I really learned a lot of more a lot more dancing. I learned almost my entire Karpathos repertoire that I knew from back then. A lot of things from Thessaly and Epiros that I didn't know beforehand. The Pondiaca, you know that you know there's an active Pontian society in, in the New York area and, and things like that. Uh, so this is like already the, like almost the mid 80s, you know, early 80s. And then I started, I think it was 82, 83, through the international folk dance circles. I sort of had a reputation, someone who knew what he was doing with Greek dance. And through the recommendation of friends in New York, I was invited out to the West Coast in California to teach at this annual dance camp called uh, uh, Folklore Camp, which was... Uh, took place in the Mendocino Woodlands, Northern California. And that same year, they also had what they call the Balkan Music and Dance Camp, same place, a different week. And since I was going to be out there, they invited me as their guests. Uh, And so I tried in both places. And at the Balkan camp, I was not supposed to teach. I was just going to be a guest. Uh, And what happened was that the teacher there who was not supposed to teach, he was teaching like Serbian or Bulgarian dance, his mother passed away, so he had to leave, and I filled in. And that first year in 82 or 83, I would, then for the next 10 years, I came back every year to teach. And then, so I, I started. So a lot of the teaching I did was not so much in the Greek community, outside of the New York Greeks, but in the international folk dance community. But then people heard about me, and I made friends of Greek Americans on the West Coast, and they were involved with, FDF in those days, the Folk Dance Festival. Uh, And so the two people who were in charge of the judges at FDF were Don and Ellie Hyatt out of San Diego. And they knew about me because I also taught in some of the, uh, what some folk dance cafe in San Diego. Uh, And they invited me to be a judge. And I forget the first year, I think it was 1984. I'm not quite remembering. so I came, I, I said, sure. And they brought me out and whatnot. And uh, it was it was not what you see today. 80, 90 percent of the groups, they were like it was like it was like you know the Rockettes on stage with Greek dance. <laughs> it was highly choreographed dances. Uh, a stylization that was like huge, big steps, leaps, you know, you had the crossing lines coming forward and back and the pinwheels and the this and the that, you know, and you had people dressed in, you know, basically fake Greek costumes or, you know, I mean, you had a group that would do like, you know, Greek fishermen stuff, barefoot with nets and whatnot and doing, it was different. And, you know, so, okay, well, this is something, this is, you know, reflecting of Greek American culture of the time. I don't know. 
and uh, me and a few other people who got involved at the time thought, you know, we got to push this event toward a different direction. We got to try to get people to learn and accept real existing dances of Greece, of the regions of Greece, uh, traditional dances from different regions. So it took quite a number of years, but, you know, we kind of convinced that, you know, we, we, the word got out that what we're looking for is such and such and such, you know. Uh, and over the years, it, 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 it started slowly shifting toward regional folk dancing. And it took a good almost 10 years for that whole switch to happen, you know. Uh, they brought a few people from Greece to help out with workshops. Um, I started doing a lot of teaching with the performing groups in the West Coast at that time. You know, uh, Nikos Savidis was out there doing some party and stuff. Uh, one or two people who had just come over from Crete started helping with the Cretan stuff. Mary Porus was very involved with, you know, Cretan dance and Cretan styling and whatnot. Uh <laughs> Mary Vortis uh, was a good source uh, for traditional dancing too. Pate Petridis was a judge for a few years. So uh, the whole mentality started changing, you know, sort of in some ways in step with, but almost ahead of what was happening in Greece, you know. Uh, uh, in the meantime, you know, still on the East Coast uh, where I was living, uh, you know, the Greek American Folklore Society started doing events based on like weekends of learning Greek dance, you know, these, these early conferences. And we had brought over Lefteris uh, Drandakis uh, from the Liku Nevelenidon of Athens, which was one of the premier performing groups, if not the premier performing group in Greece at the time. And Lefteris was one of the, you were the main shakers uh, of, of the same thing happening in Greece of switching it from semi-choreographed or, you know, kind of common dances to these regional dances, whatnot, you know. Uh, Florida kids, uh, the Livandia group started also doing these uh, these annual weekend workshops. They worked a lot with some of the early Dora Stratu teachers. So again, you know, there's this new wave or acceptance of, uh, sort of bucking what was happening in the Greek American dance tradition with the youngest generations, which was basically Las Vegas style Greek dancing, you know, uh, as I would call it. <laughs> and there was, and there were people who didn't like it. There were people who, you know, resisted it and thought it was, you know, we, why should we go down this route and it's boring and it's this and it's that. But uh, eventually I guess we prevailed. Um, uh, or I should say a generation grew up through FDF of which a small percentage, it's always a small percentage, took a, they became fanatics themselves about music and dance and uh, eventually became researchers and teachers and, and, and directors, you know, and I know some of these people, I won't name names, from when they were very, pretty young, and now they're like, you know, parents <laughs> themselves, and uh, they've been very, very influential themselves for their generation too. So that's kind of a, a synopsis of, uh, did I answer the word? I don't even remember. Yeah, no, the no, that, absolutely, that, that is exactly, that is exactly what I was curious about, because it's, I mean, we've interviewed, we've talked with a lot of these people that you, you just mentioned that 
were kids through this change and are now influential people in keeping this moving. So it's, we've, you know, we've interviewed a handful of people that were really kind of at the start of this all, but yeah, I I know for me, like I grew up, um, winter dance conference in Florida was right. Exactly. That's my what I was first talking introduction about. to yeah. Yeah. a lot of all this other stuff that happened. And, you know, meeting John, that's the first time I met you was down at one of the winter dance conferences. conferences. Yeah. Um, and it was just, it was, it was so eye opening to, you know, cause I grew up, we, you know, we learned our dances in Greek school. And I remember one of the dances, I don't think any of us could tell you the name of it because we all called it. And I believe our teacher called it the elephant dance as well. <laughs> so Elephant dance. Okay. Elephant well, I don't come across these, these names. You know. uh, um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's that. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's very interesting to hear the other side of that story. The, you know, somebody who was so influential behind that change. Um, Cause I grew up in that change, but you know, I don't know. <laughs> how it all happened. Well, you know, it's interesting. You know, we were also lucky, you know, one of the, uh, I I guess, I don't know exact position, I guess like managing directors uh, uh, of the competition in the 80s, 90s, was very much for this trend into traditional dance. Charlie Kiriakou uh, was very much behind us and, you know, was very also influential in promoting me as a, as a teacher and a resource for a lot of these groups. And he himself did research trips into Greece uh, in the 80s and the 90s. He did some amazing uh, filming in those days, uh, you know, you know, generation of almost in some ways we were lucky because we caught maybe the last one or two generations of people in areas of Greece who grew up with these dances as part of their social upbringing. Uh, mm-hmm. They weren't they didn't learn dances in performing groups. They, this is what they danced growing up, you know, uh, which is a very different thing because you see uh, you see a range of styling within one village or tradition. You see the parameters of what is acceptable, not acceptable and movement wise, you know, mm-hmm. which you don't really see with performing groups in Greece. Because everyone's trained yeah. to look alike, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, so it's kind of crazy what you said. Not crazy, but um, when you talked about like growing up in Massachusetts and like the Somerville Church, yeah, at MIT. Evan and I have definitely been to MIT to take um, Greek dance lessons. I know. I yes. Think, yeah, I think Evan. I know you were with me. But I know. Yeah. When we I lived in Boston, I was I was only in Boston for a semester for school, but. Um, <laughs> I was, we would go to MIT. Um, it was Cretan dancing at the time uh, with Nico Lembesis, uh, who is now back in Crete, but I mean, what an instructor. Um, and then the Somerville church, I would go there on, I feel like it was Monday nights because the sons and daughters of Alexander the great. Oh yes. Uh, with George Papadopoulos. (laughs) Yeah. They would have their dance classes. And I thought I was right. Yeah. I remember like, I didn't go there all the time, but if I got out of work on time, because I was working, um, on Longwood Ave at Boston children's, I would just like drive over because it was sort of like across the way. I don't really know where I was going, but you know, um, gosh, what memories. And when you said that, I was like, holy cow, I didn't know like Joe was here. You know what I like? I was, um, 
actually was born in Somerville. <laughs> my what? first three years. My mother is a Somerville native. Uh, so I knew a lot of Greeks who were born and raised in Somerville, then moved out. And Somerville, the early Somerville church had a huge population of Greeks from Alachata, mm-hmm. Asia Minor, outside of Izmir. Alachata, Chesmer, Reisdere. And these are sort of like the people I grew up dancing with. So, um, so for us, for example, the Zebekiko was part of the folk repertoire. It was sure. not necessarily exclusively associated with like Mangika and, and you know, yeah. all that stuff. But, you know, everyone did Zebekiko, men and women, they people dance. They, solo Zebekiko was not common among mm-hmm. this community. People dance as, as two couples. You know, a whole group of people get up in couples dancing and they dance a lot of what they call the Aptalika style, say, Bekika in those days, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. So that came very natural to me. Uh, and then you go to a different part of the country and no one dances a baker go outside of a nightclub or, you know, they had, or in some communities, you know, within the church, it's associated with, you know, you know and, a right. go, and of course, we're talking a long time ago. It's changed now. But um, sure. yeah. So, yeah, it's amazing. Uh, and, um, you know, it's like, again, like I told you, the, I saw Pontian dance in Boston. Uh, growing up uh, in the mid 70s, I, I, I by chance I saw it on TV and I didn't know what this was. I didn't who these people were, <laughs> you know, but event, and in those days, the Pontians were very, you know, no one knew much about them because they, they kept to themselves more or less. Uh, and uh, and, you know, and other Greek Americans, you know, they could be very critical. You know how, you know, they could be like, well, you know, I'm Greek. I know what that's Greek dancing is. That's a nice way to put is. it. <laughs> and that's not Greek dancing. You know, that type yeah. of come across that a lot, too. Yep, yep. <laughs> so uh, people's eyes were opened, I think, over the over, over the years, you know. Uh, and the greatest influence, I mean, I, okay, FDF or HDF, too. But in FDF, since I was, you know, been there much longer and it has been around longer, you know, we tried and it was a really uphill battle to have the FDF uh, board or whatever to sponsor musicians who played regional folk music to play at the Night Lendi. They were really a wreck. Like the only thing they would have would be a bazooki band, you know. And so they they went with it. They started with the Zia Orchestra, uh, which was American based with Christos Govetis, you know, and 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 a bunch of close friends of his, many of whom were non-Greek, but played amazing clarino and violin and whatnot. Uh, but there was reluctance, you know, said because oh no, you know, we you know we want the parents. And in the early days, and this was, you know, oh, you know, the kids weren't dancing mm-hmm. at the Lendia because they didn't know that they could do these dances outside of a performance venue, you know? And so some of us judges and a few other people would be the ones dancing and the young kids wouldn't know if they came out to dance at night, they would do some sort of arrangement of the dances that they had learned just for their competition or for the stage. They didn't know how to dance socially, you know? So that was like the next step that I was trying to push, how to do the, I was trying to convince directors Listen, teach them how to dance first mm-hmm. and then arrange the dances for the stage. Don't do it the opposite, which a lot of them were doing because mm-hmm. they're all focused on, you know, that's your, that was the bad, negative thing about competition was, oh, we got to get those, you know, those points and what's going to give mm-hmm. our point, you know, you know, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, I, I but these days 
people, I mean, it's amazing. I mean, the last several years at FDF, again, the Sunday Glendy, for whatever reason, you know, they still stick to the Buzuki band for the Sunday post banquet. But almost all the kids who are dancing Sunday night are in the halls with these musicians from every corner of Greece or or wherever playing regional music. Mm -hmm. I mean, in 2020, I think it was, uh, when it was, was it Anaheim? Well, the and the year before 2019, I think it was Orlando, uh, California. That's you could go out to the to the reception, the big hallway before you got into the the the, the, the uh, dance uh, venue, and I, it was an amazing year. I, you know, over here they had a bunch of Ponte musicians, then Cretans, live music, all live, and then they had some clarinet stuff and violin stuff for Island, and then they had the Ipirotes. They had the Verdi's band from uh, Ipirus playing mm-hmm. also, and they had Zernaz from Nawasa playing. It was wow. incredible and. Hundreds of kids, I mean, thousands were out dancing in the hallways, you know, and with a cacophony of different sounds, which 30 years ago it would never have happened, you know. Yeah, yeah. So it is a it, it is a different experience than it was, yeah. you know, but it was an uphill battle, you know, at the beginning. It was an uphill battle. Oh, yeah. I actually um, somewhat recently just got a video uh, sent to me from FDF. It was probably late 80s, early 90s. Uh-huh. Likely, let's say early 90s, based on the quality of the video. Um, And I was like enthralled by the performance, number one, because it was just so different from what I had ever seen before. Um, And the person who sent it to me was like, yeah, and then we we fixed it and we redid it a few years later, you know, so on and so forth. Um, But I just what struck me and what I said to him was like, who's preserving all of this? stuff like there's so much history like just just now just talking to you you gave us so much history that an average person who's involved in greek dance likely would not know it's true yeah like how are we preserving this because what you said well i uh another beef of mine (laughs) lay it on me i appreciate it fdf has done a really poor job in documenting its own evolution Mm-hmm. Uh, and they have no archive. They never had an archive outside of the personal archives of uh, Charlie Kiriako, uh, who, uh, you know, kept videos of whatever he did have of, of the performance groups or what people took in those days, you know, from from where they sat or whatnot, because yeah. they weren't even filmed by, you know, Vimeo and whatnot like they are now. <clears throat> so, um and we should get the word out. Whoever has videos of performances or whatever from the 80s or early 90s or the 90s, you know, please, you know, let us know. Let's, you know, we should try to get these these things together. And you're going to see, you're going to see a very different style dancing from the 80s, except out of a few groups who, you know, decided, you know, they wanted to go around this this new route to, you know, regional dancing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, and, uh, and then, just to see, just to see how things have changed, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I I'm, just, I, I think there's such an importance of doing that. And obviously there's, you know, cost money, like back in the day, I was yeah. very involved in Ahepa and in the Maids of Athena, and we would send our archives, not necessarily ours, but the Ahepa family would send them to a university out somewhere in the Midwest, Minnesota, something like that. I don't even remember Wisconsin, um, because they were keeping our archives, but 
then you can't see them. Like they're at some university for like Hellenic studies, which is great, but it's like great, but it's not great because access is not easy. Right. Uh, and preservation might not be in professional hands. Exactly. It's sitting on shelves, just sort of like deteriorating over the years. And, you know, no one's really taking care of them or cataloging yeah. them properly. Yeah. You know, I know that, I, you know, I know certain individuals. I know that, uh, uh, Efin Vasily Furakis have a large personal mm -hmm. uh, video collection of a lot of their performances from the 80s. Wow. Never, I mean, year by year, you know. And uh, they were both involved. Uh, sometime, I forget when in the 80s, uh, Paul Guinness came out to the West Coast and he sort of founded a, a GAFS, Greek American Folklore Society at West Coast you know, that lasted really? for seven years. And they came to FDF and they performed. And, it, you know, a lot of people were, were wait a minute, that's not fair because the, the, most of the dancers were directors of other groups and other communities, you know. But, you know, they brought a different uh, viewpoint. Basically, the stuff that we were doing in New York, you know, they, they did traditional dances, whether they were from Karpathos or they tried to do Crete in a more traditional way or Thracian or whatnot, you know. Uh which was also one, again, that was a good thing too, because it, it was a really good um, eye opener for other people who didn't realize. You know, and for the directors who participated in this, went back to their communities, most of whom were Northern Californians in those days, mm -hmm. and changed what was going on within their own communities and within their own dance programs. Yeah. I mean, talk about being influential. You know what I mean? And, and, I agree. Like, I don't think we ever want to hide something. It's part of the history. That's part yeah. of the evolution of Greek dance yeah. in America. Right. Um, but talk about, you know, being so influential that you can even maybe, I don't know if this is really a, a fair statement, but even, you know, if you're looking at something in today, you can tie back the style to maybe how that group learned originally from like Paul or, you know, right. No, you can, you can, I, I, I have it across the two and people would come to me, you know, Oh, did you work with this community? Because a lot of those kids are looking like you. <laughs> I said, oh, God. <laughs> That's know, amazing. Uh, yes and no. But uh, uh, yeah, it happened. I mean, and like I said, there there were people who did have a broader knowledge. Uh, uh, people like I said, Tepetridis, uh, Mary Voras, Mary Koros. Uh, some of them more specific with one one or two regions, so much more broad. But there were also other women. Uh, you know, there was like a, a, a uh, judge in the era, when I was in the early days, Vilma Machet, who was not Greek, but in got, got involved in Greek dance, uh, uh, had gone to Greece many times and uh, was a very good dancer. And, and she had a good, good repertoire. I'm not a, a huge extensive, but she knew. Uh, there was also, uh, oh, Yvonne Hunt is another example of a, a person from non-Greek background who got intensely involved in traditional dance in Greece and uh, introduced people, a lot of people to the Cetus region, especially and whatnot. Um, mm -hmm. So, but little of this has been documented in any systematic way. That's the problem, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a scary thing about it because we, I mean, I've gotten into this conversation with a number of people, but I mean, these traditions have been passed down for hundreds and hundreds of years. And the only way that that continues is for us to follow suit. So, I mean, 
with technology and everything and the way we live today has changed if it's not on video then does it really exist <laughs> yeah right right it's like you know if the tree falls in the woods and no one's here to hear it it doesn't make a sound <laughs> right right i mean but it's you know like the other thing that ties into this project to document is it it really shows us how small of a community we really are and how much overlap there is because you know i mean every time i talk to somebody and we make the connection where oh we were both at winter dance conference 2001 2003 we were both in montreal in 2005 and toronto and we've crossed paths so many times i mean i i danced with gaffs for five years in astoria what in the 90s or 2000s early 2000s yeah, well, long. I was long gone. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I miss Paul Guinness. I miss the the glory days, but um, it's just you know there, there's so much interconnectivity and, and dances that yeah, yeah. brings us all together. Um, so, I mean, I, there's just so much out there that we need to pull together for multiple purposes, both to preserve the history, preserve everything we've accomplished, but also to open everybody's eyes to just, you know, how powerful this thing is that we do. It's dance is about community. It's about. Right. right, You know, well, what's interesting also is that, um, you know, there are two regions in the United States that we're talking about basically, uh, and one is the West Coast, the Western, because of the metropolis of, you know, you know, the San Francisco diocese, now metropolis or not metropolis. I don't know. I get confused these days. And then down south later on with the HDF, you know, uh, mm-hmm. up in the northeast where I grew up, uh, where when I was a young kid and say started dancing in Greek community groups from the mid to late 60s through the 70s, it was a lot of people were dancing socially. You know, I mean, amazing amount. Uh, there's nothing equivalent, you know. Mm-hmm. And I used to say when I first went to California, I said, you know, it's really weird. These, you know, Greek Americans in California, um, you know, a lot of them are like me, second, third, fourth, you know, fourth generation. So they, you know, a lot of them like to dance, but gee, they move so they move like Americans so much. They just move so much like Americans, you know. And you know, you don't see that back east. Well. It's totally reversed now. Mm-hmm. You go to I go to any dance function here in, in New England, you know, and the kids, even the ones that love to dance, they dance, they dance so much like Americans, just the way they their body language is. But you go out west, and these kids who've been up in raised in, in last, especially the last generations come through FDF, they dance looking so much like Greeks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, it's just like they get on the floor and suddenly they're not American kids anymore. They're like Greeks, you know, uh, in the way they use their body and whatnot. Uh, Now, this is. This might be changing because there's a whole new generation of directors and teachers who are them much more Americanized, but also COVID in the two year hiatus, you know, what I saw both at HDF and FDF this year was you know, kids, almost every group doing uh, authentic, quote unquote, dances from specific regions. But I saw a body language that was much more Western American modern than I saw two, three years ago. And I think that, 
I think that was a result of these kids not dancing and not being exposed, you know, and also because I think, you know, my generation and, and the people that we work with closely, my generation, you know, me and Paul and, and John Lulius and others, um, we experienced dance with a generation of people who grew up doing a lot of these dances and we dance with people who were part of the tradition. Young kids these days, that's not the truth. That's, they're learning from people who even within these, uh, you know, these sub-ethnic groups of Greeks are learning dances themselves from dance teachers. And it's a real difference in the way people wow. dance, you know. Uh, that's heavy. That's intense I, to think about. I, I'm I'm a little negative about it too, to be honest with you. I I find that the influence of teachers and the great respect some of these dance teachers have as part of the culture and performing groups has it's beginning, if, if more than beginning, in my respect, it's squeezed out the uh, the spontaneity of dance which was so much a part of Greek dancing or any kind of dancing. It's like they've been trained to dance one way because, you know, that's what they're trained to do and they get on stage and dance this way. And that's how they're going to dance no matter what, you know? And, and I can compare, um, uh, you know, recently I saw a lot of I think, or, or one of those shows of, and they were, it was performing groups and teachers, whatnot, presenting dances of Western Asia Minor, the coastal regions of Asia Minor, right? And dances that I knew and whatnot, you know. And they did a nice job and everything was nice and clean and clear cut and whatnot. But there was something lacking in my, from my perspective, you know. Mm-hmm. And I immediately went back to this one video I have uh, taken in the early 80s, I believe, in uh, a refugee area outside of Megara. I think it's uh, Peramos. Uh, and these people from Meli, Eritreas. Uh, and this, these are middle-aged people dancing. And they were doing the same dances as this more recent production from this year or two ago. And it was like night and day watching the people dance. Wow. Uh, one, you could see these people. Every, in, every individual in the early video was an individual within the tradition. But almost all the dances, and more recently, were like, all out of the same mold. Mm-hmm. And that in some ways is going to be the future of dance unless, you know, I don't know. It's it just, it's just the way people do not learn in the old days in the, within the village societies, the, the most common way to learn dance culture was osmosis. Mm-hmm. Now sure. it's people who teach, but they teach, this is the way to do it. And yeah. it's the only way to do it, you know? Yeah. And that, um, in, a, in the long run, might have a bit of a negative effect. Oh, yeah. A few weekends ago, I was at a workshop in Fort Lauderdale, and um, Dimitri Dallas was teaching, mm-hmm. um, and Jordan. And I, I, I swear, they must have had this conversation with you, because almost immediately when Dimitri started teaching, he was teaching for Metzobo, um, somebody was like, uh, how should my foot go? You know, that was like, oh, yes. arm, you know, arm shot up. That was like the first question out, out of the, and I was like, is this a planted question? You know? And Dimitri was like, how does it feel like it should go? And the person was kind of thrown off by his answer a little bit. Like, I, I don't know. You tell me like, you know what I mean? And he like clarified his question. And I don't exactly remember what he said, but let's say he was like, should I point it or put it flat? And 
Dimitri was like, you have to feel it. And, and both him and Jordan were talking and also Dimitri, Papa Dimitrio were talking about we, what you just said, how we have to get away from like the very intense scripted, mm. everything must be like this. And you have to dance the way the music is making you feel. And that's so different for people. So different because we don't, we don't teach like that. You know, we teach Greek dance, like it's a sport, which in some ways makes sense. You learn how to make the plays, but you're, you're losing the integrity of, yeah, of what you're you know, doing. I, I totally agree. We, in many people, they teach Greek dance, like it's um, Irish step dancing or English country dancing, where, you know, it has to be, you know, at a 45 degree angle, six <laughs> inches above the ground, you know, stuff like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm, I, you know, when I teach and when I work with groups or even on Zoom, I, I emphasize this sort of, well, you know, you can do a touch here or a lift or high lift, a low lift. You can lift in front. You can lift behind. You can do a quick double step instead of a lift or a touch. You know, it's your choice. And they're mm-hmm. like, what? What? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's different. Yeah. We in the performance group segment, we reinforce all of these by putting all the kids in the same exact costume. So not only are we telling them your feet have to go this way, you are all going to look like mirror images of each other. Everything is so standardized or that would have never existed traditionally. Everybody wasn't a costume. This was your, your wardrobe. This was what you wore out. That's why I think it's important. Like if I do workshops and whatnot, I always want to reserve time to show videos, older videos, faded away videos of people who dancing in a more natural setting from the region. And so that can, I can point out different styles within the style, the general general style, or you show some old photographs of uh, when women still wore some of these traditional dress, if, if only for holidays or whatnot, and you see that, Oh, well, you know, everyone in women's apron has a different, slightly different design on it or whatnot, you know, uh, just so that they're exposed to that because, you know, a lot of, uh, a main source for dancing now, especially for young directors who don't know, is go straight to YouTube. Mm-hmm. And YouTube can be a great resource, but you got to know what you're looking at. <laughs> you have to have the experience already to know this is what I want to see. You know, this is what should be watched and studied, not blah, blah, blah's performing group from, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, uh, and I still to this day, I mean, I, I go several times a week. I'm gone. I'm, I search YouTube for this or that or even even old style music, old recordings of stuff, mm-hmm. you know, because the music itself has changed generation, sure. generation, you know, like dances change generation to generation. It, it, you know, they were uh, incremental changes, evolutionary changes. So the music uh, now the dance changes uh, instead of from the bottom up, it changes from the top down. Mm-hmm. And so the, the, the changes can be very, very uh, abrupt and uh, uh, almost like pl- they're like pre-planned. It's like, you know, this is what we're going to do. This is what we decided is is the uh, standardized way to do things, you know, which is mm-hmm. unfortunately because so many years, for so many decades in Greece, Greece, I mean, Greece was not like any of the other Balkan countries, the ones of the ex-socialist countries where the government just created, you know, uh, based on the Russian Moiseyev model, you know, state mm-hmm. ensembles with state choreographers and state, you know, musicians, and they standardized every single dance under the sun and they made them these huge productions for stage. You know, Greece never went down that road, you know. Thank God. But, 
but what's happened? Yeah, thank God. But what's happened, I think, in Greece, you know, is that the society, the 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 culture that that supported the dance tradition has changed so uh, radically. You know, half of these villages are deserted anyway. Most of the people live in the city, so it's it's it is almost natural that it's going to change. Uh, but uh, but it's nice to try to preserve. There's a beauty to the way some of the older generations danced. There's a beauty in the way they, they use their body and they flew in their total control of, of body weight and they centered their body weight and whatnot. Uh, and young, even young Greek kids in Greece, they 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 move like modern kids, you know, modern mm-hmm. city kids, you know, and they often dance that way, too. Uh, yeah. So are we going off on too many tangents here? Or? No, this is no, this great. Is- I mean, we've, we've talked about this um, so much and I I feel like it's something that you can't talk about enough, but teaching kids to dance, teaching anybody to dance, any, any program should be taught from the lens of teaching what dance is, why we do it, the passion behind it, the performance, the competition, all that stuff is secondary. Cause if, if you truly teach your, your students, and you introduce them to the traditions, the rest of that just falls into place. It, that's it's, it's how I look at it. I mean, my philosophy, you teach dance, and then you teach the specific you know, mm-hmm. steps, you know, whatnot. Uh, and so many times I've had long talks with directors, you know, some, it goes, you know, boom, some, oh yeah. I mean, I went to a, Several years ago, I went to a community that I had been working with a bit, and they weren't going to do some dances. Uh, they would repeat some dances that they did the previous year or two uh, on stage, and they were going to practice this, uh, such and such a dance. And they put on the music, and in two minutes and ten seconds, the music stopped. I said, "Well, what happened? How, you know, well, well, that's all we need for the stage." I said, "No, this is the time." You've got to take this dance and you find 10 different songs for this dance and 10 different tempos with whatever. And you make sure you got these kids to dance all the time to different musics and different songs and different melodies and different tempos and different orchestrations for this dance. Otherwise, they're not going to learn how to dance. They're not going to know how to explore the dance themselves, you know. Oh, but, you know, we just need two minutes and 10 seconds for this. I said, Mama. <laughs> the wrong philosophy, you know. Right. I mean, You're I, missing I, the whole point. I know. The, the whole point. And of course, you know, I mean, some of these, these kids can be, they're off, they're so busy these days. Yeah. I mean, I mean, they have every single minute after school, you know, scheduled for this, that, and everything else, you know, that. But um, mm-hmm. it's a shame. And I tell them, you know, guys, give your kids copies of music, not just the music you're going to dance to on stage in the exact length that that music's going to mm-hmm. be, but give them several versions of the music. And hopefully some, at least some of these kids will get so into it that they'll, you know, they'll play the music as they're, as they're driving down the street, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, I definitely remember doing that in my dad's red Jeep that I would um, be able to take to high school after I like dropped him off at work. I'd get up super early, drop him off at work, drive to high school, like, you know, my senior year, and I would be blasting Greek music. Yeah, well, I still do it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I had this, uh, I, I probably you don't need to put this on, but I always, a cute story. 
like I said, of the four siblings, I'm the only one that really took to Greek music as a kid. I loved it. And I played it all the time. And we used to have this, like, you know, we had this, we had this full basement downstairs, you know, you know, with a yeah. tile on the floor and the plywood, you know, you're for East Coast, as you know that. Yeah. You know, out, west, <laughs> out west, no one has a basement. <laughs> and uh, so I go down and play Greek music or whatever, you know, Greek American music and, uh, uh, and I remember my, one of my younger brothers came running back. He said, he said, you could turn that off. Turn that off. My friends are coming. He said, oh, what, what, so what? Well, you shouldn't be playing that music on the stereo. It's not made for that music. It's going to break the speakers. I don't know. Whatever. Oh, my gosh. I remember one of the first times I was exposed to, to who you were. Um mm-hmm. Ev, I think you're going to remember this. We were watching a DVD. I think it was a DVD. It might've been a videotape mm-hmm. of you in, was it Japan? Yeah. I've been many times to Japan teacher. Yeah. And I was like, I can remember we were in the basement of the church where mm-hmm. our dancer yes. was. And I was like, where was this? What church? What? Up in Schenectady, New York. Oh my God. What? Yeah. You know how long ago that must have so I, but we were watching, we were watching this DVD that Ev had, he must, he must've purchased it from one of your workshops or something like that. And I was like, I was so, I was like, there are people in Japan, Greek dancing better than any of the buffoons in our dance group. Cause I, it was probably one of those nights that they had the kids, yeah. the kids they were all, it was our buddy. They were our age were driving us bananas because you always have those nights and I was like do you all see this but I was so I was like Evan who is this guy who is he and then Evan was like he's from WDC you know so on and so forth I was like oh I was blown away how did you tell us how you got to Japan uh like I said in 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 the early days I taught a lot in international folk dance circles Mm -hmm. and uh there was a woman from Japan. First of all, international folk dancing in Japan got started after World War II. And the government sponsored it because the government felt that Japanese people were just too xenophobic, you know, and needed to be exposed to other cultures and whatnot, you know. Uh, So they brought in folk dance teachers from the United States to introduce international folk dance to Japan. Hmm. Uh, Now, later on, there was like a group of Japanese dancers who kind of they wanted more specific. They like Balkan style dancing and whatnot. And, and so they kind of left the, they, they, of course, Japan being its type of culture, it was, it was very structured and hierarchical and they had the, mm-hmm. folk, the Japanese folk dance federation, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, this and that. And uh, so there's this woman from who had moved from Japan to uh, New York, uh, to Sacramento, Fusai Carol, Fusai Senzaki first then Carol. And uh, she started sponsoring uh, teachers to come to Japan to to um, uh, teach dancing at, at in these like where they come for two weeks or so and do all these workshops and symposium uh, in different specific clubs. And, you know, she first brought, you know, she was a big fan of what how would I, I would call North Macedonian dance, you know, uh, so she would bring this this teacher 
just passed away in his 90s, Kolorovsky. Uh, mm. uh, uh, and then she would she had a, one or two Bulgarian teachers she brought over. And uh, she worked with Armenian teacher from California and this and that. But she didn't have anyone Greek. She tried one or two from Greece and they somehow didn't, you know. And uh, she saw me teaching uh, some Pontian dance somewhere. I think it was in Windsor, Canada. And she wow. really, really, of all the Greek stuff, she just fell in love with the Pontic stuff. So she got her in mind to bring me, you know, one year. In 1990, 1990, she brought me over to Japan. And they also arranged with a, it's for me to go to Taiwan to teach uh, that year too. Wow. Uh, and one day I'll tell you the story of this trip to Japan because it was just one <laughs> <laughs> one misadventure after another <laughs> uh, and uh, so I did and I brought the repertoire that I was teaching which is you know village dances not choreographed dances not you know just village dances and um, and the problem and this is an aside too the culture of Japan is it's you know especially that first year, Taiwan and Japan. I mean, these people couldn't be more different from each other, you know, and you could see it in the way they acted in the dance class. The Japanese, the, the Chinese kids were like rambunctious and they were like, you know, rooting and yay. And they broke off into little groups and, you know, and were as excited and dancing on the stage and dancing here and everything. <laughs> And the Japanese were so quiet and so respectful and just like, you know. And so I do these workshops and uh, and I, I had I couldn't gauge. Do they like it? Do they not right. like it? I don't know. What's going on here? I was getting very nervous. I said, oh, my God, I'm flubbing. This is going to be terrible. <coughs> and uh, then I said, no, no, everyone loved it. They, they really liked it. And um, But I got nervous because my dances were so simple, quote, unquote, compared to these high choreographies from the socialist countries. He's, you know, five figure dances at, you know, from stage ensembles. Mm -hmm. So she said, okay, well, you know, and she said, two years, we'll get, I'm bringing you back in two years. I said, oh, okay. Oh, great. You know, so, but then I thought, oh my God, you know, and I still had the impression that these people didn't like it because it was, you know, not what they were used to. So the second time I went to Japan, I, I, I still traditional dances, but I thought they needed to be like, uh, standardized with certain figures and whatnot. Instead of improvisational figures, I standardize them, you know, almost like, like choreographing them, but without, but within the tradition too. And so I did, I mean, did like a susta from Crete, like a performing group would do, they come out all in, and then they do this and in and out and blah, blah, blah. And they all did the turns together, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. So I was doing that. And then, um, so finally, I, you know, I, and a lot of the same people, and then we started talking, I said, and he said, Oh, how can you taught so differently this year? I said, well, you know, I mean, I thought that's what you people wanted. He said, no, we loved it the last time because you're so different from all the teachers. You're teaching real dances. I said, oh, oh. My God. So ever since then, I've been like doing <laughs> the real traditional stuff. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so uh, so Fusai has brought me. I've been to 12 times to Japan teaching. 12 Holy cow. And I'm supposed to go in June again. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's amazing. Oh. <laughs> and twice, uh, like she uh, had me bring, uh, we brought Christic Tapanivis hmm. to Japan to uh, play Lira, Kemenze, for Pondiaka. 
you know, uh, I don't know if you know Chris. Chris plays in the New York area and, no, you know, uh, lived in Norwalk, Connecticut, now lives in Astoria. Very good Ponticlera player. I, have I bet you he was up on the year Sumala. So that name, yeah, that's ringing a bell. Yeah. Which Pana uh, Yasumala? Uh, it's, where is that even? It's like just outside of the Northern mountains. New Jersey. Yeah. Oh, oh, so here in the United, in North America. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah, 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 okay. Yeah, it was all the Norwalk, Connecticut. <laughs> yes, yeah, so the Norwalk, Connecticut. People. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Gosh. So, so that's, you know, so I've taught um, Japan 12 times. I've taught in China, excuse me, Taiwan twice, uh, twice in Switzerland, once in England, once in the Netherlands, uh, once in Germany, once in Brazil, once in Mexico. <laughs> That's amazing. I used, say, I used to say, I used to go make a, 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 a you know, a joke. You know, you, you said, you remember that posting when we were kids, you know, uh, join the Navy and see the world. <laughs> I said, just join Greek dance and see the world. <laughs> Seriously. It's not the same anymore, you know. I mean, it's also different, you know, I mean, uh, and now that there's so many more teachers from Greece, too, you know, that are yeah. very active uh I mean, they they're going all over the place now teaching too. I'm Kiriakos is all over Europe. He goes, you know, South America too, and getting more see this, you know, and another yeah. teacher too. Yeah, yeah. So, I always want to ask if you had to pick one dance that just gets you going more than anything else. Your favorite dance that you cannot resist when you hear that song. Uh, I could pick a favorite dance from each region that's like that. <laughs> and I would do the Chanyotiko from Crete. Awesome. I would do Aptaliko Stalzebekiko. I would do uh, the Pushtianor Levendiko from Florina. Uh, the <laughs> Stankina style from Edessa. Uh, I would do uh, even a simple Isios from Kalimnos, a simple Stadio, a Vari Pogonisio from Ipiros, as well as a Beratis from Ipiros. I just love the Beratis. Uh, a really Vari Chamico, Humiliotico mm. style, you know, heavy, heavy, slow Chamico I love. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? Um, uh, I really I grew up with and I absolutely love old style, heavy, slower, sensual chifitelia. (laughs) 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 Which a lot of people don't know. They think I'm just into, I mean, like I said, I grew up with Laika, Varia Laika of of, of the, you know, 50s and 60s. And it's still a great passion of mine. Um, and yeah, so, but there are other dances too. I love the Vipat from Pondos, Vipat and Teak. I could mm-hmm. do those dances all night long. Um, the Naxo from Naxo style Sieto, I absolutely love. And the Balos from uh, Naxos too. Uh, even those island, I don't like modern Naxion, Naxo style, modern Nitsiotica, but the way they dance there, I just absolutely love, you know, so. Uh, and a Chesto. I mean, how could you reserve? Yeah. Not get into a real <laughs> Chesto. I mean, a real, you know, monosteriotico Chesto, you know, in a Culuria store. 
because I danced Kuluria Store with the Azastavis people many times uh, from the village of Azastavis in Thrace. And I just, you know, it's just like, oh my God. You know, for... I think that was the first time I ever saw like Kuluria Store done when I saw you dancing with John and all them down in Florida. Oh, at the, at the dance conference. Uh-huh. Seeing that one line uh, that like yeah. that to me was like, okay, whatever <laughs> this is, I need to figure this out. I need to learn this. That was uh, that. I to me like that dance just the way everybody moves and the synchronization and it's just right, such right. organic. It, it when it's done the right way, it just when looks it's done the right way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it no, it is. It's, it's, it's an amazing thing, and it's so rare to get real satisfaction out of it because you really do need to dance with people that you're no, comfortable yeah. with and know what they're doing. You know, all the way down, like you know, twenty people down the line. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just it's it's like pulling teeth. <laughs> yeah, I mean, especially if you're the leader and you have somebody who's never danced with you before. Yeah. You're, you can't sync or you can't you can't make that connection. No, you can't make that. And what happens now is that so many uh, groups are learning it. They've kind of it, they, they've memorized this pattern, this. Yeah. You know, you know, with the music and that's what they're going to do. It doesn't care what the person up front is doing. And it does. It just ruins it. You know, just sort of yeah. like, you know, you know they yeah. they pushing you instead of you pulling them, you know. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I think you named almost every dance like if. Ev, if I could assume that you would pick from those regions, like I think that was Evan's dance list as well. Like when you said Stankina, I was like, we're done. This is this is what Evan would do, hands down, in every region, in my opinion. Ev, just you know, yeah. Me, I mean, you know, I don't like. I mean, I I I don't love every dance. Uh, I like almost every dance, but there's certain ones I just you know, it's just like. They 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 came from heaven. They're mana from heaven. They were like, oh my god! There's something that's so satisfying about doing these dances, you know. Are there any dances that you hear the music come on and you're just like, no, I don't need to dance this. I'm 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 okay. Yeah, there are a few. There's few and fewer. There are more when I was younger, uh, but uh, yeah, I would avoid uh, Eptanisiaka, you know, Ionian Island stuff, like the plague in the early days, but. I really enjoy Kefalonitika these days. I enjoy, you know, some of the old Kithira stuff. Um, uh, you know, I mean, I don't really enjoy Kerkira, but I've seen old timers dance it, and it's a night and day from the way performing groups dance it. I was just like, it's like anything. It's like, God, when you see the people who grew up with this traditions, uh, it's, it's like, Oh my God, this is, this is something nice, but it's nothing that I would, you know, you know, have great passion for, let's say, you know, absolutely. And I, you know, the one dance I avoided like the plague, even as a youngster, because I couldn't stand it was the slow Hasapiko. Hasapiko until I learned the Kuluriotiko from Salamina from old Kuluriotis who were in, I just like this dance is amazingly incredible you know uh and it's not even so much the steps it's the style that they do it and you don't see it much anymore because what everyone dances as Kuluriotigo these days uh they it's a copy of what Dora Stratu did on stage which was sort of like what they thought Kuluriotigo was not well the actual what the old time Kuluriotis did but that's when I fell in love with 
this kind of has the the slower uh, the hasapika. Uh, and I never, I, as a kid, I loved to do the, you know, we all did the, you know, the fast, you know, horror style hasapo servico, you know, like, you know, with the squats <laughs> and everything. Uh, but I um, did learn in the early 80s, I met an old man living in San Diego. He was from uh, Tatavla, which is a district in Constantinople. A heavily, it was a heavily Greek uh, district, famous for its tavernas and its apocryphs. Uh, and he danced with me, and I picked up from him the style of Hasapo Servico they did there, uh, Tatavlia No. And since then, I. Uh, I can't do it any other way because it's so satisfying, you know, yeah. uh, same simple. It's basically a six count, you know, structure, three measure. But the styling and in, in, in the little embellishments are which are so juicy. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> I love that we all and, have like, the, other thing, the other thing I can't I can't do and I don't like. I grew up with a Zebekiko where people danced it not as a solo dance as so much as a face-to-face dance. And that's the way I grew up with it. My, my parents' generation dances the way all the Mikrasiatis and the Mitilined. It's just what I was used to. I, I don't like doing a solo Zebekiko in public. Mm-hmm. And especially with 50 people down clapping around you. I just... It's, yeah. It, it feels very uncomfortable and very... Um, <laughs> Self-aggrandize. <laughs> I don't. Know. I, I would much prefer to be in the corner of the room dancing my zambeki, either by myself or with I, somebody else. I would that. do that. I would do that, even at nightclubs and whatnot. I said, or I just okay, let them do their thing over there. We're going to go to this corner and we'll do. I love this song. I want to dance it, but I don't want to dance it. You know, with you know, twenty people, or fifty people, because nowadays that's what you see. I mean, I can't believe it. You got one person dancing, uh, and then you get these fifty kids on their knees clapping, which is okay. That's the culture now, but I, I, I don't like, I don't personally like it. So I do my own thing, my own shtick over there. <laughs> yeah. I, I can agree with that. 100%. Too. <laughs> me too. Um, Joe, we always ask people if you were to give um, like a piece of sage advice to dance instructors and for those of you listening, this entire podcast has been that. But if you had like a, a golden nugget that you could give to directors or to um, students who may be listening, um, what would you tell them advice-wise? That you cannot divorce the dance from the music and that you have to dance with the music inside you. So you have to know and love the music as much as you love the dance. Otherwise, it's not going to work. It to me, I mean, I loved the music from an early age and learning the dance after I knew the music, uh, what happened in my experience. Uh, and it's so important to me that you, you know, and there's nothing worse than seeing dancers on stage who you can see in their face that they have, they could, you could turn off the music and they'd still be doing the dance. <laughs> because they've memorized everything, you know, mm-hmm. and no, you, I want you to, you got to get, absorb the music inside you, dance with the music inside you and just enjoy it. Just go with it, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but you have to, you know, you cannot just, you can't practice once a week and then turn it off for the rest of the week, either, either as a dance or as music, you know, 
So I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think that's something we struggle with. You know, I don't teach as much, but I think when I did teach it, it was like um, sometimes you almost went back to square one each practice because you had to reacclimate to, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, putting the steps with the music and, and so on and so forth. And it's just a different way to teach, you know, it's a different, it's a, it's activating a different part of the mind so that there's a memory and a muscle memory associated right. with yeah. a tune, you know, yeah. 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 I mean, even, even just talking about a basic teaching technique. Um, I mean, I always, I always like to turn the music on before I even tell them the name of the dance, put the music on, show them what the step looks like mm -hmm. and how it coordinates to the music. Yeah. And then I'll go into a whole breakdown and talk about right. this is the dance right. it's right. from. And now I'm going to teach it to you. And I, you know, I think just that approach of you're introducing the whole thing and not, okay, this step is eight count and we do this, this, and this. And right. No, no, you show, you get them used to what they, yeah. you're given a preview of what they're going to try to be doing or looking at it, a uh, preview of the music, whatnot, and this is it. And then you go back to the more specific stuff. And then, uh, but I always teach things. I, I teach more than what you might do on stage in the sense that, you know, I say, okay, well, you know, here's a simple dance. Now you can dance it as if you're like just mosey on down the line, or you can put a little more emphasis on the weight changes. You can do a little bit slightly more bounce, but without, you can do the lift the foot off the ground here, or you can just touch it. Uh, you know, you know, I, I give them options as time to go by. And for me, it's, and I feel like I've said this to some people and it just goes right over their head, but like when you're listening to, for example, like Goose Channel, to me, that music, it tells you how your body should be moving. It tells you how, without even me having to instruct you, if you really listen to it, the way you roll up onto your foot for that extra, you know, count, you know, six and whatever, um, those hesitations, all of that nuance that you get in the dance, to me, the music's, it, the music's, music's like it, spelling it out for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when you can actually hear that, that's, I, that's what yeah, I mean. I, I tell people, I mean, you know, it's, you, you learn the basic and then, you know, it's the hesitations and the syncopations that are so, so important that make that divide, you know, make a good dancer from a mediocre dancer, you know. Uh, and it's so important. I mean, and that's the beauty of seeing having watched and danced occasionally with people from a generation. A lot of them have passed away who grew up with this stuff because they by nature are in what I call embellishing the steps either usually with a, a way they place the, the weight on the, the foot or not, or if they hesitate a little bit at that point, or if they add a little bit more of a knee bounce, or if uh, they do a very quick da-da instead of a, uh, you know. Uh, and then, you know, the more you see, you more, you know, there's some kind of like, you know, almost every region of Greece, they kind of approach the dance the same way that they, they, you see the same embellishments, slightly different in style with the music, but there's like almost this unstated natural way of moving, you know, that comes through everywhere. Yeah. Anyway, you yeah. know, yeah. <laughs> I love that. 
I have my volume muted because my dog has decided to eat dinner and he's so loud. So I'm like, oh, that's <laughs> embarrassing. So embarrassing. He's literally having a symphony right next to me. So I'm like, oh my God. Oh my gosh. Um, Joe, I, this has been fantastic. I feel like we could talk to you for hours about such awesome stuff. And, um, you know, I can't like, I wish I had the words for it and I probably don't cause it's been a Monday. Um, but what you have seen, what you have experienced and what you have influenced in Greek dance in America is beyond measure. You know what I mean? And that, that should like give you the feel. I'm sure it does give you like, a, I'm sure it's emotional, it but is emotional, it is, you know, and I kind of, you know, I'm at the age now where you start reflecting on, you know, you know, I, I, you know, sometimes it's like, oh, my God, what did I do, do with 40 years of my life? You know, and then I realized I did a lot, you know, I, I you know, I, I met a lot of people. I've been all over the place. I, I think I had some influence, you know, whatnot here and there. Uh, but, yeah, it, 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 it's been a long journey. Yeah. <laughs> Is there anything you would have done totally differently? Is there anything, you know, reflecting? If Do you feel like there were any, I don't want to say like missed opportunities, but anything that you would go back and change if you could? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when I, you know, started out, I was much more of a shy personality than I am now. Uh, I also was very reticent to, you know, sort of like put my face and, you know, to sort of like, and so I, I miss the opportunity in, in many times of really interviewing in, in a really deep down fashion. A lot of these older people that I met and whatnot, you know, I didn't want to like feel like I was intruding on their personal space as uh, you know, in, in whatnot. I didn't want to drag, you know, information out of them and you know, make them feel uncomfortable. <laughs> and, and part of that, too, was also, um, you know, I didn't grow up speaking Greek. I mean, I heard Greek every day because my mother and my grandmother spoke with each other, but we didn't, they, none of them spoke, they didn't speak to us in Greek. We didn't learn, I learned Greek later on, right? So I was always a little shy about the language, and I was, and I was, I was embarrassed about mistakes I would make, you know? So, again, I was, that held me back a lot, too, you know? Uh, and I wish I had the personality just to have gone for it, you know? And I'm talking about, like, even in the 70s and in the 80s, you know, with people that have long since passed away and whatnot. Uh, but yeah, you know, so that, it, it, it's, it's, it's a kind of a weird thing, you know, with me. Uh, uh, on a personal level, dance brought me out of my shell. What, you know, whatever shell I had as a young kid, uh, I would like, you know, the dual personality, you know, the Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. When I was on the dance floor, I was totally different person. I was just like confident and, you know, I knew it. I just loved it, you know, and then otherwise I was sort of like, you know, a little bit on the uh, shy going side, you know, mm -hmm. not anymore. No, I mean, these days, I, you know. Yeah, that's him too, <laughs> pointing to Evan Square where it is on my screen. <laughs> but I think, I think, yeah, I think a lot of people can identify that. I think, um, yeah. you know, Greek dance and really immersing yourself in it brings out like a confidence that um, maybe you you don't readily display in in other areas of of your life. You know, and, and no, I, I I agree with that. And you know, it, it becomes an adrenaline. It's an adrenaline rush too. You know, it's like. Sure. You know, and, you know, and people would often, you know, I would, you would go to Greek events and I would be, I was a spas drinker. I didn't 
I mean, I had, you know, I one, one glass of whatever and I, you know, baby it, you know, nurse it throughout the night, you know, mm-hmm. and, and people, why don't you drink more? You know, you're at a party said, you know, I, I, you know, I'll be honest with you. The more I drink, the worse dancing, the worse my dancing is. I, yeah. I can get high on music and I get high on dancing and the movement of dance. And that's what I need, you know? Yeah. You know, Wait, what do you do with the drink when you're dancing? You, you, yeah, I know. You can't I, hold your hand. <laughs> that was like, like, why do I need? I don't need to clutter my hands with stuff. I'm gonna be out on the dance floor. <laughs> I'm gonna be on the dance floor, you know. And I, you know, I think I, I, I love it when I watch these old videos and people are smoking or they're dancing <laughs> with a cigarette hanging out, which is fine. I think it's fun to look at, but. Uh-uh, you know, it's not for me. <laughs> I like light myself on fire. I would do yeah, you know, that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, you know, I've seen, you know, we've all seen uh, hairs go up in flame and Good Friday, you know, <laughs> in the <Yeah>. old days. <laughs> Could you imagine if there was still smoking indoors? People would light people's hair on fire all the time on the dance floor. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's just amazing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Gosh. Oh my gosh. Um, Joe, this was, this was absolutely fantastic. Thank you. Well, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I, if you want to continue sometime else and more specific stuff, I'd be happy to. I, 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 you know, people said, Oh, you know, I always regretted not having kept a journal. I never ever kept a journal because, you know, now my memory's starting to fade a bit, but um, I'd be happy to explore more about experiences, you know, so my experiences and how I reflected what was happening in the greater Greek or Greek American dance world, you know, so it's a good excuse for me to sort of, you know. Yeah, that would be amazing. We could talk about. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, schedule that. We also, we've also talked about doing more like panel discussions too. Right, right, yeah. Your story is just we need we need to preserve more of that. Mm-hmm. So, or too. Yeah. I think it would be cool too to to talk about, you know, your experiences related to what was kind of going on in in Greek dance and and even like um culture in the US, you know? Yeah, sure I, you know, I could, there's so many aspects. I mean, you know, there are a few dances where I grew up with that are specific to Greek Americans and don't even exist. It never existed in Greece. The dances that developed in the 50s or whatnot, you know, the classic example being Miserlou, Never on Sunday, what we <laughs> called that growing up. Uh, there are other dances like that too that uh, were, you know, they were in vogue for a good generation or two and then kind of faded away, but they're part of the history, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a certain way that people would dance to Karsilama music in the Boston area when I was growing up. Uh, they dance on the shoulders. They dance like a fisuni, but instead of doing the step kicks, they did these little twists and these like knee, knee up and down twists that when you look at it, it looks very Armenian. <laughs> and which makes sense because, you know, Greeks and Armenians in the Boston area, we're always doing things together, you know, with music and dance wise mm-hmm. and the stuff in the Midwest. I saw these dances in the Midwest, but they, when they put on a, a fast Sasapico, they did the step hop, step up, one, two, three, kick, step, kick, step, kick, back two, three. I said, what is this? You know, and they did it all over Ohio and Indiana and, and 
Pennsylvania. And I said, you know, it was a whole generation. Anything that has a Pacific, they did this strange dance. I never, ever saw Greek Americans in New England do, you know. And they called it, uh, sometimes they call it the Bulgarian or the Macedonian. I was going to say, the way you describe that dance, Syracuse does that. That's what. Yes. Uh, yeah. Okay. You know what I'm talking about, right? Syracuse you know? does that. They call it Step, hop, step, One, two, three, kick, step, kick, step, kick, back, two, three. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. They call it the Macedonian. And I'm like, yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. No. And I, it was, it was the Midwest. It was that whole, whole generation. Of people did that. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> you know, and the Armenians do it. The same exact dance. Armenian Americans. And I said, you know, I said, where's this dance from? I had some friends who were Armenian dance researchers and teachers said, oh, they called it the Michigan hop. (laughs) (laughs) I said, well, yeah, okay, Midwest, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, and that weirdly, I'm not weirdly, it makes sense because in Syracuse, there's a large Armenian population that goes to the Greek church. I think Syracuse might be be Rochester, so... That's so interesting. That's yeah, awesome. and these are these are um, American creations. I mean, sure. Yeah, you know, their grandparents never did these dances. You know, just like I grandparents never knew a Mizilu from a hole in the wall. You know, mm-hmm. uh, but it makes sense. You know, uh, you know, ethnic communities, mm-hmm. generation during generation, and they don't necessarily have total contact with the home country. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. In Greece, especially with the 60s on, when new generation of immigrants came, there was a whole like almost revitalization of traditional dance. Like I said, in, in the New York in the 80s was the golden age of these topiki silohi with their dinner dances, doing nothing but dances from their area. I mean, in those days, I mean, you went to a, a Carpathian function and that's all they did all night long, you know. Still, still usually. You know, so. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> But, you know, um, what can you, I can't remember, was it Rochester or Schenectady? I was up there once and I was doing a folk dance workshop for international dances. And this one woman was associated. She wasn't Greek. She was associated with with a group in one of the Greek churches. I think it was Rochester. I can't remember. She, she, She said, oh, you know, every Sunday after church, they dance in the dance hall. I said, they do? Yeah. Oh, yeah, all these people dance. So I went and it was like... And they were playing, the, the musicians were playing a Macedonian piece, you know. It was like a pushcheno, but it wasn't a pushcheno. It was what they called berati, so beranche. It was a two-measured dance, and all these women were doing it. And they were all from, I found out they all came from the village of Flamboro near Florina. It was Rochester. It was Rochester. Okay, yeah. And then a bunch of people did a really good cariotico because a bunch of them were cariotes too. And I said, okay, all right, this is interesting. But this yeah. is what I loved in those days, in the 80s. You could you could see these, these regional dances with people who, this is what they danced, you know. Huh? To see them in Rochester was like, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they still keep that up. They, every uh-huh. summer... Um, I don't know if it's around a certain feast day. I'm not 100% sure, but they all go out to like, kind of like the Finger Lakes area. I might be uh-huh. wrong on this, but yeah. there's some camp place and yeah. they, they have a party. It's all from everyone who's in this, you know, from the same region. It's like yeah. Nick Dimkos and like all those guys. And they just go uh-huh. out and jam out for the weekend dance. The, yeah, yeah, that's great. I mean, I, I mean, that's how these things get preserved too, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah. So. Oh gosh, it's you know, um, 
one of the people in Rochester, his dad plays accordion and they're from outside of Florida. And his, um, his mom has passed. His dad is, is older, doesn't play anymore, but I feel like every time we would see him and Ev, I don't know if you feel the same way, but like his dad would just be so proud up there playing accordion for, you know, the, the kids to dance at yeah. the festival. And it, it was just, I mean, he played until he must've been in his late eighties when he stopped playing. Cause he's gotta yeah. be in his nineties now. Wow, 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 wow. And in this little sleepy area, Rochester, Syracuse, it was like, what is going well, on? You know? Well, it's like, you know, in central Massachusetts is a large old industrial town, Worcester, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. And I knew and had a very old community from early 20th century and a very big church, same spirit on. And I had contact there because my one of my cousins was Theater there. Her husband was there, preached there for 30 odd years, you know. And I knew there were a lot of Vodipirotis, you know, uh, there. And uh, they did a lot of Ipirotica. And, you know, in, in, you know, in the 70s, 80s, it was kind of watered down. You know, most of these people are now American born. But, mm-hmm. you know, when the borders opened up in the 90s, suddenly this huge influx of um, uh, new immigrants, Greeks from southern Albania, Vodipirotis came and, you know, they dance. They knew how to dance. They did their dances. In the meantime, in Worcester, a whole new group of Greeks came over um, from the 70s, early 70s, late 60s on. They all came from Chrysochora Facetis. And as is often the case in these things, they did not get along very well with the old time established Ipirotes. They were like two separate people. They were like... (laughs) Like, you know, Mm -hmm. oil and water in those days. Not anymore. Uh, And so they they bought out from the Albanians because there were a lot of Albanians in Worcester. They bought Mm -hmm. the old cultural building that the Albanians had and they made it into their village society hall. (laughs) And I went to one of their dances and it turns out these people from Khrushchev, their parents and grandparents were refugees from Eastern Thrace. They were Gagawus. Wow. They didn't so speak like Adi's people. Like Adi's people. Actually, Adi has relatives there, it turns out. Yeah. So, uh, and so they would have these dances and they would play their Gagawusika dances. And they had a, a often bring this one guy who had, didn't come to the United States. He came to, went and lived in Germany. And they bring him over from Germany to play accordion. All their old time repertoire of these dances you're not going to see anywhere else. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it was just an amazing thing to see. It was an amazing thing to see, you know. Uh, I don't know. It's been a long time since I've been in any contact with them. Uh, so, and, you know, another two generations have probably gone by since then. So, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know how watered down it is or whatnot, but, you know, they were, they were intense on, you know, this is it. There was this, this is kept them as, uh, this was their identity, you know. Yeah. This was their identity. You know, they're going to keep their own dances as much as they could. You know, so it's so interesting how these little pockets. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Are, you know, because like when you think about Worcester, you're like, I, I, I mean, I, I guess maybe the industry there brought people there. Like, who knows how what the history is of how those people. Oh, got yeah. There, I mean, right? the mills, but, the old textile mills or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, and then and it's interesting. I mean, it's like I've been 
so close now. I mean, since the early 80s with the Tappan uh, Springs people, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, I go down there and I've been many times to the Kalimnian uh, functions and the Kalimnikos Iti mm-hmm. and, you know, and, you know, they're playing violin, lauto, whatever, and we're doing all these Kalimnian dances. It's just like, where else am I going to do that? In the United States with Kalimnians, you know. I know. Our podcast. Of second, third generation, you know, you know, fourth generation at this point, you know. Yeah. But they Last keep week, contact. They keep contact with the old country. So, you know. Yeah. We interviewed. Um, well, thank you, Joe. Well, thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you so much, you know. Thank so you. Uh, uh, we'll stay in touch. And I, let me know when you would, whatever happens with this, you know, tape or whatever, you know. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to put it up. Um, Hopefully in a few weeks it'll go up. So okay. I'll make sure to email you. All right. Great. Great. All right. Well, keep dancing. <laughs> Thank you. We'll see you around, I'm sure. Okay. Take care. Bye. Bye, Joe. Bye.